0: Hey everybody, before we get to the show, I wanted to bring you this ad from Bite Size Gaming. They have launched their new Kickstarter featuring 5th edition content to add to your games and campaigns. They've supported Down with D&D for a while now, and their new supplement is called Captain Heartchild's Guide to Oceanic Depths. It's filled with new material for DMs and players alike, focusing on an underwater theme. They've got three new aquatic races, dozens of new spells, and over 12 new subclasses, along with 10 unique villains and over 24 new monsters. It's really jam-packed. And let me just highlight one of them. The Black Admiral. So this is an undead CR-23 death pirate that used to once be a celestial being. The BA. I mean, you could go with Black Admiral or what you're thinking, BA Baracus, or bad... Uh, I can't say that thing because it's down with D&D. But you know what I'm talking about. They love to collect creatures in an undead menagerie. Their ship is an undead dragon turtle named Feldgru. I mean, it's an undead dragon turtle that's its ship. I mean, how cool is that? If that interests you, this book has gorgeous art from new artist Daniel DeNova. I've seen some of the pieces. The Black Admiral is very, very cool. And it features content from a host of guest writers. You can pick up the PDF for $15, and there's some print options, too earlier bird specials are available, so dive in as soon as you can. Again, the Kickstarter is called Captain Hartchild's Guide to Oceanic Depths, and it's going on all throughout the month of November and into the beginning of December. Find it fast by searching for Oceanic Depths in Kickstarter or click on the link in the show notes. Now let's get on with the show. Are you ready to get down with some DD? I know I am. I am joined, as I am always joined, by the memorable, uh, sort of mellifluous at this moment and mangled in his brain, Mad Wizard Merwin. What's up, Sean? I will try to be all of those
1: things, all three. Um, I'll start with mellifluous. I don't even know think if it's Is that just, a word? It is a word. It, it is a word. I think it means sounding good.
0: Oh, sounding good. Well,
1: you always sound yeah. good, Sean. I I certainly try. You fake with the best. I do. Fake it until you bake it.
0: That's right. Until you bake it? Uh, I
1: I know. It's something
0: like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that brain, it's bacon, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Yeah, it's eventually, bacon all right. eventually, there'll be a ding, and it'll be done. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, it's Sunday afternoon, which is unusual for us. <laughs> yes, because I was busy yesterday morning, unfortunately. I to, well, that wasn't unfortunate. I had to, I had to do something for my uh, my ongoing financial stability take a take a civil service exam. But that's not what you're here for. You're all here for D and D. That's true. So why don't we get into some announcements, right?
1: Yeah. So I heard, Chris, that Critical Role after their fabulous Kickstarter uh, to make the cartoon, which I backed, was. Was picked up on Amazon, not just for one season, but for two seasons.
0: Yeah, they picked it up and they gave them another season and they extended the seasons by two episodes each. So we're going to get two 12-episode seasons of Vox Machina, which I'm very excited for because I love uh, animation. I
1: I I am not the hugest fan of animation, but I am the hugest fan of D&D. And anything that spreads D&D love far and wide, I am, I am down for. So I say let her rip.
0: I cannot remember the last american made cartoon that was based on a d and d property uh that was on a streaming service like Netflix or Amazon or something like that or you know just on regular television since the d and d cartoon can can you uh no i am no I'm aware of some anime uh that came out of Japan that is based mm. on d and d uh games and ideas and things like that like as their influences but uh, nothing mm. like nothing like this. That is no. based on a stream of a D&D game.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, hey, let's keep this D&D train moving. Mm. That's that's really where I stand on this. Yeah.
0: And so this, like, hits my Venn diagram of things that I love, which is animation and Dungeons and & Dragons. So I'm, I'm very excited mm. about it. I, I back the Kickstarter, so I'm looking forward to getting my stuff early and then also watching all of it.
1: Yep. We will definitely be uh, queuing it up on Amazon when it comes out. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe uh, in our new segment, well, not segment, in our new uh, Thing for our patrons, the sneak attack, which I want to tell you all about. It's going to be like ten to fifteen minutes of extra content that you're going to get. We're, uh, we'll probably talk about it there at some point too, when those episodes start airing. But then those episodes don't air till like next year, so
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know we'll talk about other things until then.
1: Okay. So wait, now tell me more about the sneak attack thing, Chris.
0: So uh, I felt that it was a good idea for us to give some added value to our patrons who patron the show to give them some exclusive content. So ah. if you're a patron at a paltry one dollar a month. Mm. You will get access to the Sneak Attack, along with a bunch of other stuff from Misdirected Mark Productions, uh, including the after show from Misdirected Mark and the bonus content from Pandas Talking Games. So this will be a little bit more D&D stuff from me and Sean every week for you folks.
1: Awesome. I am down for that. Me too. Why don't you tell me about Winter Fantasy? So Winter Fantasy is a great convention that is held in Fort Wayne, Indiana uh, during the winter, hence Winter Fantasy, um, every year. And it it has a pedigree, Winter Fantasy does, that goes back almost as far as shows like Gen Con and Origins. And it is currently run by Baldman Games. And uh, dollar for dollar, it is probably the best convention that I attend. Um, it is very laid back. Fort Wayne is a very cheap city, so you can get food, lodging, um, at quite an economical rate, and it is D and D as far as the eye can see. Um, you know, you'll sit down at a bar after a game, and you'll be sitting down with all of the Adventures League administrators, and you'll see, you know, wizards, folks, and you'll see other people who are movers and shakers in the D and D world. You know, just sitting down for a beer or for a meal, and so it's a great place to get your D and D fix and be in the middle of the D and D hub. Um, without the sort of chaos of a larger convention. And this year it is February 5th through 9th. If you go to wintfan.baldmangames.com or just search Winter Fantasy Baldman Games, uh it'll take you there. You can either sign up to DM with some uh, benefits for, you know, DMing a certain number you could get a free badge or free hotel and it's it's a great experience to DM at at shows like this. Um Or you can see the um, the schedule of events, and you can now get your room. He just put up Dave Christ of baldman games just put up the room blocks about an hour ago, so you can get your hotel
2: that's I will awesome. be there.
1: I will be there the entire time uh probably run a game or two, play a game or two, uh maybe even do something fun and different. listen. For what that might be on the show coming up uh, in later episodes.
0: I'm excited for fun and different things. Sounds like, Me a, too. Sounds like an awesome time.
1: I like, like one year I did a writing workshops, uh, adventure writing workshops, where I took, you know, six or seven people for two sessions and we just talked about adventure design and we went over some of their encounters. Very cool. So, you know, things like that or maybe special games or who knows what. Mm.
0: All right. So that's Winter Fantasy, February 5th through mm-hmm. 9th. Go sign up. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes to that too. So. Check it out. Sure enough. All right. Uh, Grant Ellis has a Kickstarter called Grimworld. So do you mm-hmm. want to tell us about Grimworld, Sean?
1: So I'm a big fan of Grant. Grant has done a lot in the industry in terms of streaming and running games and, and helping socially promote the game. Uh, not just D&D, but a bunch of different games. And he has put up a Kickstarter for a new world and rules to facilitate that world called Grimworld. And so uh, the book offers players and dungeon masters a new way to experience 5th edition, altering the core rules to facilitate storytelling uh, that makes you feel like you're playing or running a fairy tale type of adventure. Uh, Grimworld is a strange place full of danger, whimsy, and peculiarity. So, any of those sort of fable y fairy tale sorts of things, this game will use 5th edition's engine to give you that sort of game experience
0: very nice very nice and i i I have backed it cool so then you'll be able to tell us all about it when you get it when i get it uh we will take a good long look at it nice nice um if you want to hear more about this james tercoso over at tabletop Babel chatted with grant ellis about this so uh, Mm -hmm. you can go go find that interview over on tabletop Babel. i will try to find a, a link and put it in the show notes Great. All right, let's get to the uh, the main topic for this episode: Descent Part Four, Candlekeep and Beyond. Well, really, just Candlekeep, and a little beyond. Not a little, a little, a little bit beyond Candlekeep. Not devilishly, but beyond. Not yet. Not. No. Not yet. All right. So uh, let's do a recap real quick. So, so mm. where we're at in the, in the adventure and the campaign is that we have defeated Duke Vanthampur at her villa. Uh, we have found Thravis Krieg, probably we may or may not and hopefully and i would suggest pushing to have the players have the puzzle box it's very important actually to the next couple scenes
1: <laughs> yeah yeah kind of as is the hidden uh, shield of the hidden lord yeah the
0: shield of the hidden lord lord is um it's like i would i would say the puzzle box is 1a to make sure they have it uh the shield mm-hmm. is like 1b true if they don't have it it's not as big of a blow but you're going to miss out on some good stuff
1: yeah, there's a lot of great story here that hinges on certain items or certain NPCs. Um so you just you want to make sure you know what you're doing if you let the characters get away without some
0: of those experiences or without gaining possession of some of those items. Mhm. Um hopefully you will still have Rhea Mantlemorne in your group at this point. Mm-hmm. She's very interesting and is a good outside uh voice piece if you want to have one as a game master, dungeon master. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you should be with, and hopefully you'll have Philaster Fisk. Philaster Fisk, yep. he's, he's useful. Uh, he won't be around for much longer, but it, it's fun to have him around. Yep. All right. So we have our, our mission, which is to go to Candlekeep and bring the puzzle box there, or at least just go to Candlekeep and talk to Silvara. Uh, That's her name, right? Silvara? Silvira, Silvara, Silvara. Silvara. Silvara Savakis.
2: There's some
0: good alliteration there. Mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of a montage, a traveling montage to go to Candlekeep. There's several scenes that you can utilize and should be utilizing to Mm -hmm. uh, have this journey. The first one is you're leaving the city and that's not as easy as it... it, I mean, it's easy. I mean, in the story, there's nothing like there's no rules to be made or anything like that. But when you open the gates and you go out the gates, all of the refugees from Eltrail are still just crowding around on the outside of the gates. It's not a good situation. Like, these people are... Downtrodden, and they don't have much and they're probably starving mm-hmm. and it's a it's rough,
1: yeah, and you know what if if Raya is with you, she's one of the hell writers, yep, or at least you know she is associated with them, that could lead to some interesting role playing um between the 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 refugees and and Rea who would be looking who will be looked up to as someone who could help them, even though she has absolutely no power to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this episode. I'm going to talk about opportunities and missed opportunities uh, in the adventure.
0: And this being a missed opportunity? Yeah, I feel like it's a missed opportunity.
1: It's it's not a huge deal. Um, And one other thing I want to add. I did work on this adventure, right? And I am going to even if I'm talking about something that I worked on, refer to they being the people who created this book, all of us who created this book. So I, I may be um, putting myself down at some points or saying what I could have done better, but I'm not going to say I am going to say they, mm-hmm. uh, just, just to
0: keep it on an even level. Well, let's be realistic. This stuff is a team effort.
1: Oh, ab- everything is a team effort. Yeah. But I just want to make that clear. Um, so I feel like in this... In this section, everything from leaving uh, Baldur's Gate uh, until you head to to El Terrell and Avernus, there are many, many missed opportunities in the adventure. That doesn't mean you as the DM can't do it. I just feel like if they had put a little bit more thought into this, it could be a much deeper experience. And maybe as the DM, that's not what you want. Maybe at this point, your players just want to get to the monkey as... as, uh, is often said on uh, down with D and D or on uh, Mr. Mr. Mark, Mark
0: right? Uh, we can't insert the other word in there. But no,
1: there is a there is a naughty word that goes a in very there, naughty four letter you know,
0: word. Get you know if if your players want to
1: get to the monkey, then you can just skip everything I'm saying and just run it as written. But I feel like there there is there are opportunities along the way to deepen the drama and to deepen the story. That's that that they are going to be going into. Uh, and this is the first one. Oh,
0: my, Sean, let us please talk about this, because I had all of the same thoughts, actually. <laughs>
1: okay, cool,
0: good. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, here's Rhea, who is
1: one of the, quote-unquote, leaders of El She's not a leader, but she belongs to a group that are seen as leaders. And she has to leave through all of these refugees who are, You know They've lost their home. They didn't just lose their home. Their home is gone, like in a big hole in the ground. And they're being mistreated, and they're starving, and they have nothing. And just to let her pass without something happening there seems like a lost opportunity to deepen that story.
0: Yes, I agree. Um, (laughs) Uh, What would you do to change it, though? um, I would have her. That's
1: the hard part is you, you, as the DM, it's very awkward to role-play with yourself, right? So you would essentially be doing that at least to start. You would have Rhea leaving and someone in this crowd of El Torellian refugees say, hey, it's it's a Hellrider, help us, help us. And then she would probably, you know, what would she do? I would have her just try to get away as quickly as possible. Because even though she wants to help, she's still wanted by the Flaming Fist. So as she like turns tail to get away, others would then be upset by that. So the characters would have to intervene between her and this angry crowd to calm them down. That's how I would run it.
0: My play would be that mm-hmm. all these refugees start looking at Rhea for help, and Raya mm-hmm. doesn't know what to do, right? Like, right. she has no idea, so she'll turn and look at the pl- at the player characters at the party sure. and be like, what yeah. do I do? Help me. Right. So now I've turned the situation that's a pretty big gray moral thing, right? Like, these refugees right. can't get into the city. It might not even be better for them in the city, but they're out here and they're starving and they're poor. Like... What do the mm-hmm. players do? And this could do a couple of things. And this is um, this is a little wishy-washy rules-wise because you don't really have any mechanics or, or uh, frameworks for it. But, like, mm-hmm. if the player characters even make the effort, then that will endear Raya to them even more and make her even more loyal to the party. Right. If they don't, then she is less likely. I mean, she's still with them and she still has a, a, some, a goal and, and her own uh, motivations. But uh, her trust in the party might not be as great.
1: True. True, and and that yeah, and that could pay dividends or detract from her helping them,
0: as you said down down the line. Because mm-hmm. if it's a if it's a positive interaction, then maybe later down the line she says something that is positive that influences a another different NPC or a situation in a positive way. But if it's negative, then maybe she does something later that actually detracts from the party or gives them a disadvantage.
1: Right, and if. You could also have the Flaming Fist, if too much of a big deal is made of her, start coming out of the city. After her, and what what do the characters then
0: do? Uh huh. Do they fight against the Flaming Fist? Do they pull uh right. pull their weight around and be like, look, we know, uh, Liara Portier, or right. uh, or what do they do? Like, it's it's a situation where there's a bunch of options for the player characters to take.
1: Yep, and there doesn't even have to be huge mechanical payout, but just the narrative payout is. You know, it's teeming with possibilities. I'd say.
0: Yeah, and narrative narrative influences the narrative going forward. Whatever happens is going to influence what happens later. Sure, that's how storytelling yep. works, right, Sean? Exactly. Yeah, but that's a it's a fun because it's it once again plays into the unity of the effect that we're talking about here, which is like this is all about making deals and hard decisions, right?
1: Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So that those are two really solid options for how you can play leaving the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next encounter is. I don't know what I. I feel like it's just a filler, right? Like it's just a beat to like throw a beat in there. It's it's it Worms Crossing. It's a pickpocket encounter,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there's an opportunity for a pickpocket because there's a lot of pickpockets there to to pick the pocket of one of the player characters that don't really notice them, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe they get caught. And then if they get caught, it's more interesting because like what do they do with the person that they caught? Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not it's not terrible. I I just don't see it's. It's something like this that I would like to see in other places, more important places, more narratively uh rich places uh than as you're leaving the city you go through this kind of slum area and yes there's lots of pickpockets and okay you maybe you get pickpocketed but there's no big narrative payoff um it's it's happening as you're as you're
0: leaving the area so you know. How much more interesting is it if this pickpocket... Instead of pickpocketing a random item, if they succeed, they pickpocket the puzzle box. Exactly. Well,
1: now, or, now we right. got
0: a thing, right?
1: Yes. And then there's a, a chase through the slum as this very important thing is being carried by someone who has no idea what they've even
0: done. Mm-hmm. Also, if you want the shield of the hidden lore to play a bigger part, when the pickpocketer pickpockets the puzzle box if they succeed, then the shield can be the one that warns everybody that the puzzle box has been pickpocketed by the pickpocket.
1: That is perfect, Chris, because that will then lead to a bigger dilemma later when the characters are trying to decide whether to take the shield to Avernus or not. Uh-huh. If if you've shown its utility, if you've shown how useful it could be, it's going to be much harder for the characters just to leave it behind.
0: Hmm. I agree. For sure. Great idea. All right, so then the next encounter is... Contingent on having the the shield of the Hidden Lord, it's it's a it's the Knights mm-hmm. of the Shield. So this is actually also a pretty good uh, introduction to a potential recurring villain in mm-hmm. Kratis, the Cambodian, who is part of this organization. Um, the Cambodian is shape changed into a driver uh, uh, on a uh, hay cart. Uh,
1: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you there. It's it's a Cambian.
0: Did I, what, did I what did I say? Cambodian. Did I say that? I'm so sorry. It's okay. I should edit that. Let me let me try that again. Um, this is a pretty good pr- introduction to a potential recurring villain, in Kratos the, the Cambion. And mm-hmm. uh, the Cambion can shape-change and turn themselves into a uh, hay cart driver. And this hay cart mm-hmm. is riding along, and then there's a bunch of uh, people in the back of the hay cart hidden, and then they jump out and ambush the player characters. Yep. I really like the idea of the hay cart rider, like, being jovial and saying, like, hi, and, like what's the word on the on the road like talking to them yep. as a distraction yep so
1: yeah this is this is the kind of encounter that i want want to see throughout because it does many things right it shows that what the characters have this shield is very important so leaving it is while an option could be potentially dangerous mm-hmm. it shows it get it reasserts this devilish Uh, idea because it's a cambion who is who is um trying to get the shield so more of this is what i want to see not only
0: while they're traveling the candle keep but also while they're there and as they leave now it doesn't say to do this in the encounter but you need to make it known i believe this is my personal preference make it known that they want the shield like have them attack Mm -hmm. the person with the shield and say somebody grab the shield right right exactly and, and then the fight is not just a fight to the death. The fight is a fight for something. Mm-hmm. And even to the point where somebody could try to grab the shield off of whoever's got the shield and then run away with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Not that right. not that you really want them to get get away because that's not what we're going for here. But at least it Im- introduces the idea that there is a force out there that wants the shield.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, And if you d- couple that with the pickpocket encounter with someone trying to steal the puzzle box... Now you, you've really reinforced it, mm-hmm. right? There's not just one thing. There's two things. And everything that you have is powerful, is desired by others, and is an important part of this, of this narrative that you're undergoing.
0: Yep. And check this out. Aside from the unity of effect that we've thrown everywhere in this situation, the mm-hmm. encounters beat-wise is a role-playing styled encounter that could break down into something else with the leaving of the city. Yep. A encounter where it could potentially be a chase in sure. worm's crossing with the pickpocket right. and then a an encounter with a fight, so we 're yep. hitting a bunch of different kinds of play uh, yeah. and also reinforcing all the themes and ideas of the adventure
1: yep that that worm's crossing could easily turn into an exploration encounter if the pickpocket happens then you 're exploring these slums, maybe the thief runs through a few you know trapped alleyways or runs through a hideout that they have or a safe house that you need to explore mm-hmm. uh, or, or leads perfect, them through perfectly. a particularly
0: uh, dangerous uh, alleyway with a bunch of like instead of traps hazards which are the same thing right
1: yeah 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 similar similar thing so yeah you, that's a great point chris you know you've you've hit all three pillars there with these three uh little encounters just traveling between um
0: Baldur's Gate and Candlekeep. Mm-hmm. And then you get a exposition and bit of a backstory uh, beat with the tale of the Hellriders. And this is where Rhea will tell the player characters the story of the Hellriders and what mm-hmm. happened. Right. Which is actually quite interesting, because you're going to get mm-hmm. a slightly different version of it in a little while from um, Lulu yep. the Hollyfound.
1: From Lulu. And it's very important, because when we do get that from Lulu... Um, it crushes Raya. Yep. And in order to understand that the crushing that she's about to get, you need to understand how devoted she is and and what all of this means to her. And that's where this tale of the Hellriders gives you that information and lets you understand then the the beating that she's about to take you know, emotionally. Yeah.
0: So this tale, whatever, however you want to present it to the player characters, uh, you should present it in a you should make sure that it's known that Ray is very proud and very um, reverent of this story,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because the, it'll go a long way to help him with the being crushed later. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's the trav the traveling. Uh, then you get the Candlekeep, and uh, yep. there's a, a lovely description and image of Candlekeep that you can show the characters, the players, I should say.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a really good list of things that needs to or you should have happen in candlekeep
1: yep this is a great way to get across especially new dms you know here's a section here's what needs to happen in this section or here's what is set up to happen in this section and if you tell dms like that ahead of time then if things go off the rails if if changes need to be made they can keep in mind that this these are the the high points that that they need to hit Mm
0: -hmm. all right uh do you want me to read them is it a good idea? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. So, the characters arrive at Candlekeep, where the price of admittance is a book, specifically one not already contained in the Monk's library. Now, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a little bit, but, like, that's how you get into Candlekeep. You have to pay.
2: Sure. Yep.
0: Uh, the characters then meet with Silvira Savakis, a, a typhling sage who knows the secret to unlocking Thavis Krieg's Infernal Puzzle Box. hmm So, she's the key to opening your puzzle box. True story. Um, Silvira advises the characters to leave the shield of the Hidden Lord in her custody, but Gargoth makes a good case for taking the shield with them, which mm-hmm. is why some of that stuff we mentioned earlier is very important. True. Um, and then Silvera makes arrangements to send the characters to Elturel and gives them an unreliable map of Avernus. Uh, Rhea Mantlemore offers to go with the characters, while Philaster Fisk chooses to stay behind, because he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to hell, that's dumb. <laughs> right. All right. So there's the way of the lion. Uh, that's the box text that shows how, like, tells about the, the the journey, which it's taken four days. Which this is the first time we've heard that it's taken four days. I'm pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, yep. maybe that should be mentioned earlier. But now you know. Yeah. Um. And on the fifth day that you're traveling, and you get the description of like walking up towards Candlekeep.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, it's fine. It's box text, right?
1: Yeah. I, yeah. It's. I I would do it differently. But, you know, it's just tiny nits that I'm picking at this point. Um, It's all good information. It could be presented differently. It could be expanded upon in some places that would help new DMs uh, and then cut back in places that it gives information that really doesn't help much.
0: Mm -hmm. So I have like some things that I thought were interesting and the things that I thought were important about this section, but it's not a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think you have some feelings about this section.
1: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, I think here is there's no... The adventure does not give a way that it expects DMs to run it. And so I don't know why there's certain information, even if it's good information, right? It tells you you need to present a book uh, to get in. And uh, Falister is probably smart enough to bring his book of recipes because he knows that he needs to do that to get in. Mm-hmm. So he's got he's got the characters covered there. There's
0: also the potential that you have the book from the Vanthampor Villa.
1: True. Yep. So you, even if you don't have Falister and don't know that you need
0: a book to get in, you probably have something that you need. Also, you should probably um, just tell somebody that they need a book to yeah. get in because that's pretty common knowledge for Candlekeep.
2: Yep.
1: So. So you've come to Candlekeep to meet with Silvira. Um, but it gives a, an example of an inn in in Candlekeep. And I either want it to go in one direction or the other. I either want it to actually tell us about Candlekeep so we can do cool things in Candlekeep because it's a cool place with a long uh, history in D&D. Or just... Cut it out completely and just go right to Silvira's, um tower. I, I this this kind of wavering in between. I it it doesn't do any good for most DMs, whether you're new or experienced, because it doesn't give you enough to work with. Um, because like th- there's it tells about the hearth, right? It's this pub.
0: And then it just the box? it just gives a general description of, like, well, there's right. a bathhouse and a clothier and a granary and gardens and right. so forth. I'm like, that's not really a good description of what's here. Like, you can sort of extrapolate if you want to.
1: Right. And then it says, well, here's, a, here's the inn. Here's the hearth. And the box text could be basically any pub anywhere. Uh-huh. Right? It doesn't tell anything that's cool or interesting about it. Um, now, it gives you a cool NPC that's in it there's this ogre that wears a headband of intellect.
0: Yeah, that's the only cool thing about the hearth. And
1: so he sits in the corner reading books all day because mm-hmm. he's re- really smart now and he wants to make up for lost time. Um, and so that the, here is this super cool NBC, but there's no way to use him. Uh, it doesn't say, here are some things that you could do. Maybe if the characters come in, some cultists who want to get the book or the shield attack, and the the p c s can talk the ogre into helping them in this battle, you know okay that's something cool. it reinforces this you know this plot, this narrative, uh, all the beats that we're trying to hit the the unity of effect it does all of that, and it uses this new and then maybe they make a friend with him, and not that this ogre is going to come with them. this ogre is called calls himself little one uh because he he Killed a, a halfling to steal the headband of intellect, and so when he put it on, he realized what he had done. So he's kind of making up for his past brutality um, by calling himself Little One in honor of the halfling he killed. Mm-hmm. Great story. How you know? How do the PCs learn
0: that? What does it mean for them going forward? Well, I got it. I got one for you. I I know how to do this. At least I have an idea for how I would do this. If that if the, the cambion gets away, Kratos earlier, which yep. probably will because the cambion can fly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: This is where the cambion comes back. So yeah. there's no throwing down for any extended period of time in candlekeep because there's mages and archmages all over the place. Sure, it's a terrible idea. So if there's a bad guy here, their goal isn't to kill people. Their goal is to acquire whatever they're trying to acquire, right? And then get out. Mm-hmm. So the um so Kratos wants the shield. Mm-hmm. Kratos is going to need a distraction to isolate, to so that uh, if he starts a, something up with the player characters, that he's right. not interrupted. At least he's got some time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So if I'm Kratis, the thing I do is I go and I snatch the intellect of the headband of intellect off the ogre. True. Because those archmages, when they show up, they're not going to want to kill little one because he's been here for a long time, right. doing decent things. They're going to try to restrain right. him and, and hold him down, but he could the little one could go off the handle.
1: Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and I am going to totally use that
0: if if and when I run this. Yeah, and then and then Kratos can isolate the player character because you have it happen somewhere else, and 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 then right. you know, when Kratos shows up and confronts the player character with the shield, which mm-hmm. it'd be even better if the shield was with a player character that might have even been isolated. So like you're gonna have a two um, a two a cut back and forth kind of situation where there's right. a couple of player characters that are somewhere near the, uh, near little one. And then a couple of player mm-hmm. characters that are with the shield. Right. So then you can have the player characters dealing with uh little one. And when mm-hmm. the archmage to show up to help also, and then the player characters that are dealing with uh, Kratos. And of course, Kratos will have brought some other people with yeah. him, uh, him to help because it'd probably be great if an imp is the thing that ripped the headband of intellect off of uh little one. Because we'll invisible imps are annoying, we've discovered right.
1: as as we have discovered in previous uh, parts of this adventure. Mm-hmm.
0: So, mm-hmm. so that's my play. That's how I would do it. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down with that. All right. So uh, that's that. Let's uh, let's that that's the best I can do for Candlekeep as far as like um creating an encounter inside of it to also help with the the adventure continue, like with action and whatnot instead of just a bunch of exposition. Because mm-hmm. guess what? You're about to get a bunch of exposition. Uh, yeah.
1: And it's good exposition, and it's necessary exposition, but you you don't want to overdo the exposition.
0: It's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. So, in our exposition, we have uh, Silvera and Jezebel. Jezebel is her uh, what demon familiar? Quasit quasi- familiar. familiar. That's right. Yep. She can open the puzzle box, and it presents and present and yeah. she can open the puzzle box, and in presenting it reveals everything that Thavis Krieg has done. Also, mm-hmm. the fact that he made a deal that will, is what caused the companion to rip Eltergard from this this plane and drop it into the Nine Hells. Mm-hmm. She can also then reveal the truth behind Gawgoth, which, wow, Gawgoth is way cooler than we thought, because he's more like a demigod pit fiend than just a regular pit fiend.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, that means more dangerous. And yep. while her her assessment is like, throw that thing in a deep, dark, extra dimensional pit and never let it out again... Mm-hmm. Uh, the player characters are like Gogoth is like I can be really useful because I can mm-hmm. guide you through the nine hells way better than that map ever could, right? And
1: it's it's important in the in the text of the adventure where it says if the characters do actually take it, um, Savira is actually relieved. Relieved. She's like because she doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah, she's scared a little bit of it. Yeah. So if you play that up, um, it becomes a more interesting choice because a. a a reasonable, rational group of characters are going to say, there is no way we are going to take into Avernus this shield that holds a pit feed. Mm-hmm. That would be crazy. Um, so you need to make it at least tempting.
0: Yeah. And, and this is why it's so, tempting.
1: Yeah, every way that you can make to show that temptation, it's safer with you. Maybe it would be super useful for you. Uh-huh. All of those things you need to reinforce to actually make it a, a a choice that they could actually consider.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, absolutely. So moving on after that, she points them to Traxagor's Tower. So Traxagor is an archmage friend because mm-hmm. she can't plane shift them from here because yep. it's candle keep and it's got a bunch of uh wards and things like that on it. Mm-hmm. And she ain't leaving. So she's like, right. You should go to Traxagore's Tower also I think Traxagora has a friend that might be able to be of use to you.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I would do a couple things here. I would somehow make the puzzle box, make the characters do something to open it. Even even if Savira is the one that knows how to open it, a couple of checks. Uh, the characters need to use their blood to open it. Um and that has ramifications later, whether it be just as simple as giving them inspiration or as hard as, since they've given their blood, when they go to Avernus, there's a connection somehow. Uh, something to, so the characters are in on this action a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is it is a deal that was made by Zeriel, who's the big bad of the right. whole thing. Right. Sort of.
1: It, it just feels like the, the the characters and the players are now just watching something happen, and I just want to get them involved in some
2: way.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I I don't necessarily disagree. I think that's fine. I just mm-hmm. I think they've done everything that they need to do to find their key to open this puzzle box. Right? They they yeah. wouldn't They got it from. Um from the, mm-hmm. vill- the, the Van Poor Villa. They traveled all this way here. They dealt with a bunch of stuff that they're like, why is this all this stuff happening to us? They finally get here and they're like, yay, our key can open the box.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's also a perfectly fine way to to handle is Like, I, It'd be cool if there was like a Rubik's Cube or something that people can mess with. Or, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of checks that people can make. Um, yeah. The next thing is I'm 100% with you that you're going to say, so go ahead and say it. Yeah, so...
1: At this point, as, as Chris said, um, Sylvira says, okay, I, I know who you need to talk to next. It's this Archmage Traxagore. He owes me some favors. Um, so I'm going to get you there. I can't teleport you because you can't teleport into or out of Candlekeep, but go up on the roof and I've got you covered. So uh, she sends the characters up to the roof and there are griffins. And the griffins are trained to take people where... Uh, where survivor tells them to so off you go on uh griffin back toward traxagor's tower which is outside of candle keep how can you not have a combat with the characters flying on griffin back these 20 miles sean it I, has to happen
0: sean I, I i like read the griffins and am like oh cool there's gonna be a fight in midair and then i flick to the next part of the adventure and i'm like what 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 mm-hmm. what happened Where's the, where's the fight in mid, oh, that's how, that's exactly what I did.
1: Yep. So have the Cambion, you know, Kratis come back. Yes. (laughs) Here, have some cultists using demons or devils or nightmares, flying nightmares, something um, that they're trying to get the shield back. They're trying to. Stop the characters because they've just opened this puzzle box, and now the secret's out, and they're going to try to stop them. Uh-huh. You know, something um, to to have a cool combat there. This
0: is a pitch perfect spot for your final encounter with Kratos, at least on the prime material plane. Yep, because you should totally bring him back after you kill him in the, in the hell. Oh sure. Because so, you yep. know that's what you do. So that's that's what I would do. That that would yep. that'd be my play.
1: So then, now the characters arrive at Traxidor's tower. And they meet the Archmage, Traxador, who is
0: an otter. What? He's an otter? Yeah. He's an otter. Oh, there's so many cute things in this adventure.
1: I know. And, that, and that's, that's, the, right? that's the funny part is it's this Avernus. It's this hellish, grim, dark, uh, hopeless thing. And then there's, there's an otter mage. Ah, isn't that nice? I mean,
0: you kind of need it to balance out against all the dark terribleness. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, oh. so yeah. So there's an otter, and and he's he was polymorphed um, a long time ago, and he liked this otter form so much that he used a wish to stay in this form.
0: I mean, way better than being an old man, right?
1: I guess so. I I would rather be an otter. I'll tell you that.
0: As long as I could talk and have all my faculties, right?
1: This is well. I'd even give up a couple of those things. <laughs> uh, well, not, not you know. I've already given them up. I think is, oh, is my point. Oh. But anyway, yes. So, so uh, Traxagor has a familiar, or has a a companion called Lulu, who is a halifant who used to serve. Uh, help me out here. Uh, Zerial. Zerial, thank you. Used to use serve Zerial. So Lulu is probably the most important NPC in this adventure.
0: It's almost like the adventure starts
1: now. It definitely could. Um, you could have many different lead-ins, but at this point, this is where things get real in terms of what's going to happen
0: in
2: Everness.
0: In mm-hmm. So uh, a Holy is a small elephant with golden fur and angelic wings. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to it know. Is... It's adorable. Yeah. Another adorable it, it's, creature. It's,
1: a, it's an adorable celestial creature that can absolutely pound the heck out of demons and devils.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Although... And we'll talk about that in a second. Um Lulu has lost her memories, but uh we'll we'll get to that in a moment, because right after you, yep. you, you deal with, with this little bit of information, and when ready, Traxagor will plane shift them to the nine house.
2: Yep.
1: So Traxagor says, All right, are you ready to go? I will plane shift you there, and then I will leave you there, because I'm certainly not staying there.
2: <laughs> but Lulu
1: Lulu wants to stay with the with the characters because she has been here. She was Zariel's mount um when Zariel was a good aligned creature and she's lost her memories. So now she wants to go back to figure out what happened and maybe help deal with everything that's going down between El Baldur's Gate and Avernus. Yeah.
0: So the sword Lulu hid Zeriel's sword or helped somebody that she can't remember. They can't remember. I'm not sure if it's a she, I'll just go with they, the sword Mm. was hidden and they can't remember who helped hide it. um, Mm -hmm she they tell the story about the hell rider's betrayal and then to uh, the hell betraying Zariel and then sealing the gate like some of them, not all of them behind mm-hmm. them, and also that Lulu doesn't remember much and that's where yep. uh Rhea breaks down yep. hearing this story from you know a legendary creature in her mind, like this is mm-hmm. the mount that Zeriel rode in to uh Avernus into hell on the back mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a whole bunch of emotions probably going on right there for Rhea. Right. Well, yeah, Rhea, she
1: originally broke down back when Sylvira told her that Thavius Krieg, her the high overseer of El actually made a deal with the Dolphins. Uh-huh, to, that's bad. Right, That, she, and, and this, I see her as kind of, she's probably despondent at that point, but now that she hears Lulu, I could see her perking up, because now there's some hope. If they can find Zeriel's sword... Lulu thinks that they might be able to 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 do something to turn the tide
0: in in some way. So, here's where I see that pendulum swing back toward toward hope. She might even um respond in a way that's like I she has to do this because she has to redeem the honor of the Hell Riders. Right. Yeah, not to mention that she
1: she signed that pact, the Creed Resolute to always protect Elderell.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, El is in Avernus now, so if you're going, you
0: go big. You got all, all the reasons to uh to have Rhea be important and part of this adventure. Yep. Uh you also, after that, get Lulu's whole story, which is the actual mm-hmm. story of what happened to her. There. Then. Right. Uh, Lulu uh, the problem with Lulu Lulu's a she. Okay, Lulu's a she. That's another word. Sure. She uh, sure. her her story is 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 sad. Like mm-hmm. they 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 attacked, they were getting beat the hell riders did close the gate behind them. Azriel's last wish was to have her and her uh, first in command who's Zeph mm-hmm. or something like that. I remember the name is uh Yeth or something like that. Uh, yep. Hide the sword. They were off being chased by a uh, by Yaghanaths or Yogan Yoganus the the, yep. the gnoll uh, demon or not the gnoll demon. Somebody one of those devils uh their uh, mm-hmm. their, like pet or something like something terrible beast machine was chasing them yep. down. Uh, they managed to hide the sword in a giant fortress, and then Lulu was, it, Lulu created the fortress uh, herself. She was pretty wiped out after that. Uh, mm-hmm. Was picked up by a Madrid in the that bazaar that travels around, who splashed yep. some water from the from river sticks. sticks on her, which yep. really messed up her mind. Uh, was delivered back to Zerial. Zerial was crushed and despondent in seeing Lulu, and eventually sent Lulu back to the Forgotten Realms. Yep, that's her story
1: yep. in short. Yep, that's yeah, that's Lulu's story. Although Lulu doesn't remember all of that,
0: but she can um, remember pieces of it as she goes back through yep. her past.
1: And so she will not only serve as a narrative force in the story as the characters go through Avernus. You know, they're completely lost in Avernus. Mm-hmm. As as they should be, because it is a place that wants you to be lost within it. Um, so Lulu will become a narrative driver; she will fill in some of the gaps that the characters might have in terms of story. But she will also serve as an ally who gains power as her memories return until you get to the end when she has all of her abilities back. Then those are some good abilities to have.
0: They on your side. really are. <laughs> yep. All right, but we'll you know we'll get more into that later. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our our coverage of that section. And uh, next yep. time we'll get into Avernus. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, especially our patrons. Let's get to some Patreon shout-outs. Brandon Barnes, the old-school DM. Oh, I got a sneeze. <sighs> <laughs> Sean Merwin, Troy Sandlin, Will Doyle, Zach Goins, thank you so much, all of you. Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Menge, we thank you very much. Er Eric Simon, Miko Froelich, Andrew Dempsey, Ovi Waxberg, The Chromatic Chameleon, Curtis Y. Takahashi, Daniel Thomas, Evil Rich, J. David Chrisman, J.T. Evans, Jen Pixelscapes Gagney, uh, and Joseph Peralta. Thank you so much, all of you, for being our patrons. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D... You can click on the link to our Patreon page, and on that website, for only $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out, like you just heard. Or for $1 a month, you can get the sneak attack.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Coming soon. Uh, For $4 a month, you only get a shout-out. You also get to see our pre-production show notes, and you get access to our Slack room, where you can
0: chat with us at your choosing. You know, if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple podcast review, or any kind of review, really.
1: Yep. Uh, no matter where you're listening, Apple Podcasts are is the way to rate and rank shows, so that helps make us more visible. But as Chris said, you know, any sort of shout out you can give us on social media will help grow our audience.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Sean, where can we find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you know where to find me. At. You can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the forums. There, the forums dot dot com. How about you, Chris?
0: Mm-hmm. I'm at Athlete One Hundred and One. Um, you can also hit at MisdirectedMark on Twitter. Me and Sean will get a message in some way, shape, or form from our wonderful Chief Rob Ebrezzato or Senda. One of them will send us the message, the Queen. On the, You can also just go to the website. You can also go to our new Twitch channel. Uh, uh, you know, that'll direct you to the website. Or you can hit up our YouTube page where this show can be found. You can also catch other great shows there, such as Zhang Yu Hustle. You can train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Zhang Yu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films, that's right, wuxia, and then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. They just recently talked about scale in a side hustle. Hmm. Down with D&D is a
1: misdirected Mark production, the media arm of encoded designs. So, what are we going to do now, Sean? We're going to go kill some imps and probably a cambion
0: about three times.
2: <laughs> you down with D&D. Get yeah, you know down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? with DND Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?